Okay, so there's enough kids out there, and somebody told me that this is the church where suckers are. And so I just, well, I don't have any suckers, but I have some Skittles. And so if there's anybody who feels like, you know what, I'd like to come up and get some candy, I have two questions for you. So if you want to ask mom and dad or grandma and grandpa the answers, the first is, what is a piece of advice that you have gotten from somebody, and why do, they, why do you think they gave you that advice? So if you feel like you can answer that question or come stand up here and look cute and look at me and convince you to give you candy, then come on up here. Okay, we got, we got a couple takers. Come on, Michael. Yeah, come on. Okay, so what is a piece of advice like your teacher's given you or your parents have given you or older brother or sister has given you, and why do you think they gave it to you? So what is, a, what is something that somebody has told you that you should do or shouldn't do because they want to help you out? They said don't bite my fingernails. Okay, that's a good piece of advice. Now, why do you think we would tell you don't bite your fingernails? <laughs> okay, so you can bite them later on. Okay. To behave yourself. Oh, to behave yourself. Is there a specific spot where this is, where you need to do this? At school. And, and who told you this? Mom and dad. Okay, and why did they tell you that? So I don't get in trouble. You don't get in trouble. Okay. That's something we've all gotten It is advice. If it sounds too good to be true, it's true. It, which probably is. If it's, it is not true, okay? And who told you that? I'm just curious. Dad. Dad, way to go, Dad. If it sounds too true, it probably is. And why do you think he told you that? And then I'll be useless. Okay, good. Way to go, Dad. All right, here you go. How you doing? Good. Okay, what is, can you think of something Mom and Dad told you to do or not to do? Mm-hmm. Do they tell you to clean your room? Yeah. They, can you say clean my room? Mm-hmm. Okay, good job. They tell you to clean your room. Why do you think they tell you to clean your room? Okay, Okay. so if you don't, you get in trouble. So maybe so you can find something, right? All right, good job. Okay. Michael. Run around a bunch when it's snowy and icy like that. Okay, why do you think they gave you that advice? Like, use Grandpa, for example. I don't know about that. He was on the ice and he slipped and hit his head. So was he running around? Not really, but... Okay, so you're not being so youthful, so probably they want to keep you from falling down and hurt yourself, right? Okay, good job. Okay, anybody else? Yet some time to think. Bruce told me the last time we did this, he almost came up, and he's an adult, so anybody else want to come on up here? I'll let you. No? Oh. <laughs> and why do you think Alright. Sorry, it's got a curve on it. Anybody else from the audience? Okay. You know, through our whole life we get advice. You know, starting from little kids. How how old is Michael's little brother? How old is he? He's four, five. Okay, so from four or five years old, you start to understand getting advice, and you never stop getting advice, right? And as you get older, you start trying to give advice. And most people give advice because they want to help you out. They, they mean well when they give you advice about doing something or not doing something. Um, some examples that I came up with that I tell my kids, or we tell our kids, is make sure that you get good grades. Grades are more important than 
my sports grades are more important than uh, all the, the fun video games that I get to play. So put your time into that. Uh, we tell our kids, save your money. Uh, we should tell them, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But I haven't done that one quite yet. Um, avoid drugs. You know, we probably have all been given that advice. We, some of us have given it. Uh, if, you get, if you say you're going to do something, make sure you keep your word. Uh, we told our kids, these are some qualities to kind of look at. If you're going to get married someday, if you want to date a girl, these are some qualities that you might want to look into. But mostly people want to help us keep us from making bad choices. They say, learn from what I've done or learn from what I've seen other people do so that you're not falling into these same pitfalls of life. Um, I came across this quote that I think is very, very important, or it's a very good one. It says, a wise man learns from the experience of others. You screw up, I'm going to learn from it. An ordinary man learns from his own experience, and a fool learns by nobody's experience. Meaning he does not learn at all. He just keeps going through the same issues without learning from them. You know, the book of Solomon is all about being wise. And a lot of what Solomon writes about is, don't do what I have done. He's trying to say, you be wise and learn from my experiences. Don't go through this yourself. Um, and so we're going to be looking at not the avoid what I've done kind of wisdom. Today we're going to be looking at look at what I've learned through my whole life this, uh, that has given me wisdom both this week and next week. That's why it's just simply titled wisdom. It's something that we all need. It's something hopefully we all aspire to and something we will all be able to pass on to other people. So wisdom, a simple definition that I came across somewhere in life is having knowledge and the ability to use it. And especially uh, related to God's word is to know what God's word says and how to accurately live it out in my everyday life. Because a lot of things in the Bible, my life is not cut out, cut and dry exactly like Solomon's, not like David's, not like Jonah, not like anybody. But I can take those principles and apply them to my life. And that is called wisdom. Wisdom helps us to focus. So we're going to look at three different things about wisdom. The first is that wisdom brings life into focus. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Kids in the Sunday school class in the library, this is going to sound a little bit familiar. Um, wisdom helps bring life into focus. It helps us to focus on the present. It says a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. Now he, talks, he starts out talking about a good name. Uh, we had fun with this in Sunday school class on, on your, your, uh, in your bulletin. If you have, you have the right bulletin, um, it says you're, everybody's born with three names. The first one is the name that your parents gave you. You know, Solomon, he had a name that his parents gave him. It was Solomon. I don't know. I don't think he had a last name. Uh, then you have a name that other people call you. Solomon was known as King Solomon. And then you have the name that you acquire for yourself. And Solomon, his, his, you could look at him and say, he acquired the name as the wisest man who ever lived. I look at it and say, here's a guy who had to learn by experience uh, what really mattered. I have a name that I was born with, Joshua Stephen McLaughlin. That was my given name. I have a name that other people call me. When I was in high school, I was called Sabo. I wasn't really fond of that name, but it was because there was this baseball player for the Cincinnati Reds. He wore these sports goggles, and he played baseball. And I was wearing sports goggles, so immediately I was called Sabo. I have another name that I'm known by. It's Pastor. Some of you call me Pastor. If you really want to make that just, like, suck up, you know, say Preacher. 
I like preacher better than I like pastor, but that's what I'm known as. I didn't ask for that name. That was just a name that people call me. But I am also working on creating a name for myself. It's, it's my reputation, whether it is good or whether it is bad, I'm creating a name for myself. Now, I want to hold that thought for a second and go to this idea of a good perfume. Because Solomon says a good name is like uh, is better than a good perfume. So we're going to look and see kind of what do these things have to do with each other. Okay, so what are I can think of two reasons for perfume. Um, the same is cologne. So this isn't just women. This is people who, who like to smell good. One is because it attracts other people. Leslie has this kind of perfume that she puts on that immediately gets my attention. When we're in, I mean, it takes me immediately back to when we first got married. Uh, I remember, this is kind of like side note, but when she was, we were sitting in Bible school, she was sitting behind me, and she, she put on this chapstick. And it was like, it was just immediately, where is that coming from? It's just something about that. But it, it attracts attention. So that's the first thing. You know, a lot of girls get all dolled up because they want to attract a boy. Sometimes boys want to attract the girls, and so they wear it. So that's the first reason I can think of people wear perfume or cologne. The second reason is because they want to hide something. They want to hide another smell. Now think, of, think about uh, a breath mint. Why do people put, eat breath mints? Paving. Because their breath stinks. They're trying to hide what does my breath smell like. I remember a couple weeks ago, Bruce gave me one. And I didn't think about it until later on that my breath probably stunk. He's like, here, take this. It's supposed to hide what is really there. You think about the bathroom air freshener sprays. What are those for? It's to hide the smell. Right? What was really there, it hides the smell. The perfume. You know, back in that day, uh, they didn't necessarily run around with deodorant and having fresh water for showers and all this wonderful technology and soap. And so they would, if they could get perfume, it was to, to hide what was really there. And a good name is better than a fine perfume. Now, a good name, how do these things uh, connect with each other? You know, how do you get a good name? You have to be good. There, there's no uh, other way to do it except for to do the right thing. Now, you think about a good perfume, a good perfume hides something. And a lot of people... Instead of doing the right thing, they want to give the appearance that they're doing the right thing. That perfume is covering up what is really there. And Solomon says, a good name is better than this perfume. You know, you think about uh, what is the difference between a good name and, and a perfume. Well, here's some examples that I came up with. Um, a good name does the right thing, so a good name follows the speed limit all the time. The perfume says, I'm going to follow this feeling when I think there's a cop around that's going to nab me, right? I have been there, okay? I will admit I have been the good perfume, so I'm sorry. Um, uh, the, uh, the good name says, I'm going to do my own schoolwork. I'm not going to cheat off my friend. No matter what, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. The perfume says, I, as long as the teacher's wa watching, I'm going to make sure I'm doing my own work. I'm going to try to make it look like I'm doing the right thing. But when the teacher's not looking... I'm a good perfume because I had the appearance, but really I wasn't. Uh, when it comes to working at work, the good name says, I'm going to work hard all the time, no matter who is watching, no matter what. The person who's the good perfume says, I'm, while the boss is looking or while that camera is looking at me, I'm going to do a good job. But as soon as that camera shuts off or it's not around and the boss is gone, now I'm going to start taking life easy. So you get the idea. A good name means I have to do the right thing. 
a good perfume says while people are watching or while people are paying attention, I'm going to try to do the right thing, but the rest of the time, I'm just going to try to make it look like I did the right thing. A good name is very, very difficult, uh, it's, but it's a way of life. Uh, perfume fakes it while, while a good name is genuine. You know, I know this, uh, I know a guy who I, I would have put money down was uh, a good name. He was somebody who, uh, he was a homeschool family that I've known in the past, and he had like uh, just the, the, the neatest family. Um, there was like five, six kids, and they, those kids were at everything at church. They helped at Awana, they helped at BBS, they were always there when they were supposed to do, or to be there, um, and they were just super, super high quality. The wife uh, just... She was just loved the Lord, and she just lived it, and she was just very careful about how she lived her life. Well, um, a few years ago, uh, we came across, or we found out that this guy had spent his whole life molesting his daughters. Until finally the daughters were about 17, 18 years old, said, Dad, I've had enough. I'm not willing to do this anymore. He was considered a good name, but all he was was a good perfume. He gave all the appearance that he was doing the right thing, when he really wasn't. Ultimately, the perfume that he was putting down finally faded. And it's not that we're going to be perfect, you know, because I will admit, I admitted in Sunday school that I have cheated. <laughs> you know, I, I, know, I know I have sped. I, mean, I, I had got the ticket that one time. I know that I have gossiped. I know that I have lied. I know that I have done all sorts of things wrong. But it's the overall idea of of what is it that, it that people see me as? Because we're, we're not going to be perfect. Um, you know, think about the, when, when you think of somebody, what comes to your mind? Is this person somebody say, this is very high quality person who's always living it out? Or is this somebody who says, I, I kind of question about what they do. Um, you know, some people are, are very generous. You know, and some, you, this might be, you might be the generous person who's willing to give anything, the shirt off your back. But other people are those people who have the reputation reputation that they're willing to take uh, anything. They're generous in taking instead of generous in giving. Some people are quick uh, to, ex to express anger. Some people are slow to anger. Some people, you can think of probably that you could give them a secret and they'll take you to the grave with them. They won't tell a living soul no matter what it costs them, while somebody else is the biggest blabbermouth and you hope they never find out the secret that you didn't want them to know. Some people are so committed that they will keep their word even when it hurts, while people, other people give up what their commitment because another option came along. You try this all in together, the day of death is better than a day of life. It is a difficult life that we are living. There are always temptations. There's always challenges. There's always the struggle to try to have a good name to do the right thing. But when you die... Psalm is saying that when you die, you're done. If you've had that good name throughout your life, if you have kind of that good reputation, there is nothing that's going to destroy that good reputation. But somebody who has been uh, that good perfume that's always given this appearance, like this dad that I'm talking about, he's not going to be really able to do anything in order to make his reputation better based off of what he's done. And even if he would have fooled us all the way until his death, when he died, and that finally leaked out, he can't do anything to go back and change what his reputation is saying. So a day of death, you're done, is better than the day of life. So death, or, or so uh, wisdom, helps us to focus on the present. 
but it also helps us to focus on eternity. Wisdom helps me to focus on eternity, uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning because the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. So death reminds me of what really matters. Now the same is true today as it was last Sunday, as it was back in Bible times. Everybody is going to die. Nobody is going to live for everybody or is going to live forever. It is appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. And death is a, a natural part of life. It's not a fun part of life, but it's a natural part of life. Oftentimes, it's unexpected. We love to keep people with us forever, but it's just not going to happen. So death reminds us to keep our focus on what really matters. Think back to September 11, 2001, uh, when the towers fell down. What did the whole world do? All of a sudden, people got their priorities straight. People started flooding into churches. People started... Uh, doing everything that they didn't normally do. People are hugging strangers. People are stopping to help people who are in need. When normally they would have probably just walked by because it affected their life. People died. There was this tragedy. And all of a sudden people said, wait a second, what really matters? And there's a, I've, I've heard a story about these parents who lost their son or their daughter who was, who was kidnapped and then they, they were killed. And, and they said, here's my message to the parents. Make sure that you hug your kid tonight. Make sure you tell them you love them. Because you don't know. Death helps us to focus on what really matters. When you attend a funeral, you know, it makes people want to make things right, to make their true feelings known. People are more willing to forgive. People are willing to let bygones be bygones. All of a sudden, all of life's problems are not this big anymore. My job is not so important. My, my hobby isn't. Something, it's something that I can set aside for what really matters. The people, my family, my kids, my neighbors. People become better friends. They become better neighbors. They show more affection. They're more patient. They show uh, less frustration and less anger. Because death reveals what really matters in life. But death also reminds me what really doesn't matter in life. And that's as just seeking pleasure. Verse 4, it says, The heart of the wise is in the, the house of mourning, but the, the heart of fools is in the house of pleasures. Now, seeking pleasures, I admit it. I would rather have good feelings running through my veins than sad ones. I would rather go to a movie or to a party than to a funeral. Uh, and, and Solomon, he's not obsessed with death. He's not saying... Uh, only go for the sad, only go for the bad, because in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time for those happy things or those moments in life, but there's also this time for the sad things in life. But a lot of people, and me, I will admit at times I have done this in my life, where I wanted to avoid the heartache. I've wanted to avoid, avoid the sad times. And there are numerous ways you can. People do it all the time. Uh, a sad memory, I'm just going to drown it. Um, I'm going to just watch another movie. I'm just going to watch another movie, and I'm just going to keep myself preoccupied. I'm going to listen to another song. I'm going to plan another trip. Uh, 
I'm going to go visit somebody else. Some people take drugs and they take alcohol all to drown all this because they don't want to deal with the sad times. They don't want to deal with uh, the, the ultimate outcome is death. And, and the sad things that life has to bring. They don't want to deal with those realities. But wisdom brings life into focus when I look and see what God's word says that's really important rather than avoiding those tough times in life. It gives me the right perspective, the right per, uh, focus of what really matters. Wisdom brings insight into choices, verses 5 through 10. The first one is that a wise person is willing to accept a rebuke or a correction. It says, it is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. The wise person accepts a rebuke. And there's lots of Bible verses on how to rebuke and when to rebuke and things like that. We're not going to get into it. But the Bible does talk about it. And getting a rebuke is not something that people look forward to. I don't, I don't walk up to somebody hoping they're going to tell me what I'm doing wrong and how maybe I should do it differently. But it is a part of life. My wife has rebuked me and how I handled the kids. That was a little stiff for a punishment. That was a little bit angry. You should have, like, taken a breather first before you dealt with that situation. It's not something that we want to experience, but a wise person accepts rebuke. So sometimes I'm wise, and sometimes I accept the rebuke. Sometimes I, I bite right back, and it's not, it's not the greatest thing ever. Uh, but, but mostly I try to do, and if you're wise, you will accept the rebuke from others. Not get defensive, not get mad, but willing to look at things for what kind of truth there might be in it. You know, isn't it better to, to fix something in my life now than when I get to heaven and have to deal with this with Jesus? Wouldn't it be better to, to stop this sin or this habit in my life now instead of having to deal with it later? But sometimes, you know what, we do things that we don't even realize. And if we do love people, we love our spouse, we love our kids, isn't it better to find out that I'm, I'm treating my kids not in a nice way or the way I said something came across. It's better to deal with that now instead of letting my wife or my kids or my boss or whatever live with heartache year after year because I never realized it. So taking a rebuke can be a good thing and it benefits, it benefits you now instead of having to hurt people or to deal with it later. Proverbs 10.8 says, The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. And I've, I've told you this before, but when I was in Iwana, uh when I was probably 15, I had a kid about Caleb's age, uh, about 10 years old, rebuked me. Guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to punch his lights in. <laughs> like you, but he, he was in the right, you know, and I, I think he probably talked to his dad. His dad said, here's what you say. And he came to me. Very, very difficult to swallow, uh, that kind of rebuke. Uh, and it can come from anywhere, but a wise person accepts rebuke which means an unwise person ignores the rebuke. They ignore the correction. It says, like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. The fool laughs when he hears something he needs to correct. He does not change it. He just ignores it. I, I've, I've seen situations in school, from being a kid, from being here where kids are told that something about life needs to change, and they just brush it off as if it doesn't really matter. I've seen it on a basketball court. Um, I've seen it as it gets, people get older in life where people have a job temporarily because they were told, stop doing this, 
And they're like, it does, they're like, the rules don't apply to them. And ultimately, hopefully, it doesn't get there, but at some point, people are going to have to be to learn this lesson, and it might even be in jail because they never were willing to accept a rebuke. So kids, if your parents or your teachers or your boss or anybody tells you to do something, that's what I said. I mean, that's why I kind of brought this up. Like, what kind of instructions have you gotten? Don't run on the ice? Guess what's a good idea? Don't run on the ice. Somebody has learned it from experience. Just take their word for it. Don't learn the hard way that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Just take it for, for the wisdom that it is. The wise person avoids dishonest shortcuts. Verse 7 says extortion turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. So extortion is to obtain something usually through force. I'm going to try to manipulate or force you to get what I want. The wise person does not do that. You know, sometimes kids will cheat on a test or they'll copy an assignment because they want a good grade. The wise person does not do that. Um, a wi- uh, the, the foolish person will bribe their way out of trouble. Or they will try to bribe their way out of trouble or out of to getting the verdict that they want in, in some decision from somebody. The wise person does not do that. The, the wise person might take the slow and steady course to get what they want instead of the quick and short, quick, get rich, quick schemes that don't work. Be wise. Don't take the dishonest shortcuts. Follow the rules. Do the right thing. And that will be the best thing for you. The wise person avoids a burst of anger. I wish I could say that I was always wise in this. Uh, but that's not true. I had to admit that to the Sunday school class last week as well. Um, it says, the, verse 8 and 9, it says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Those who are wise will show patience. We will respond instead of react. Uh, last week in Sunday school, we talked about this proverb, that, Proverbs 18:17. It says, the first to present his case sounds right. Until, and then later on, it says, until another comes forward to question him. Now, having two kids, I don't know how it is having multiple kids, but at least two, you, you get this scenario probably often. Um, we got it last Sunday morning where one of my kids came crying and telling me their side of the story. And I was about ready to just take it out on the other one. And my wife's like, What's here the other side? And then when it came down to it, it's like, oh. I, I could have just as easily exploded at one when it was really a two-sided affair where one person caused it over the other. And so if I'm going to be wise, I'm not just going to take one side of the story and let them have it. I'm going to hear both sides. I'm going to think about it. I'm not going to have this outburst of anger because then I'll end up taking my foot, sticking it in my mouth. I have to apologize for yelling. I have to apologize for my, my outburst of anger. And that's a foolish thing to do. The wise person says, okay, I will think before I speak. I will respond instead of react. Sometimes I'm wise. Sometimes I'm not. The, the foolish person is a person who shows a lack of patience. He's a person, like I just said, who, who's ready to take it out on this kid when I haven't heard this side of the story. You get it in the court system. You think about all this stuff with Trump. You have all one-sided story. If you don't ever get the right side or the other side, then it's easy to just assume one person's wrong. You get it all together, and then you decide if somebody's really guilty. Then you decide if somebody really deserves 
a punishment. The wise person responds and thinks before he speaks. The, the foolish person is the person who just lets whatever come out, come out. A lot of, lot of examples of here of a wise versus an unwise person. The last one, verse 10. No, not the last one like we're almost done with the message, but the last example. We still have a few verses to go. Uh, verse 10, it says, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such question, questions. Wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing and benefits... Okay, how about that? Let's just stop right there. I apologize. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. The wise accept God's will. The wise accept God's will. You know, people are pretty generally happy to accept God's will when things are going the way that they want to. Yes, I got the raise. Yes, I made that basket. Yes, I got the part in the play. Yes, I got the A in my test. I love God's will. But then all of a sudden, God's will and my will are not jiving. Like, I don't like God's will anymore. But he's saying the wise accept God's will and not asking why were the old days better, which is a very typical, normal question. Uh, it, it is hard to, uh, to accept things from God that we don't really want. You think about Job. Uh, he just lost in chapter 2 or chapter 1 and 2. He just lost everything. He lost all his kids. He lost all his cattle. He lost um, everything he owned practically. And his wife is saying, curse God and die. And Job has some very tough words to say. Very, very tough words to hear. He says, we, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? That's what somebody in a down and out situation wants to hear. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? But that's, that's true. Uh, you know, we're going through it right now. I, I still question, I want to ask God, well, why, why are we going through this? Why, why couldn't it be something that we can kind of resolve? But I know we're not the only people. I know there are people in this room who can say, why, God, are you allowing this to happen? I know that some of you have, have gotten over those things, but in the past have, have wanted to ask God, why did you let this happen? Or some of you down the road are going to be asking, why, God, why? The wise person is willing to accept God's will because God sees the whole picture. God's painting this big masterpiece. All I can see is my little piece. And I have no idea how it fits into everything that God is doing. He's not just interested in my life. He's interested in the whole world and how it all fits together. So the wise are willing to accept God's will. They're willing to realize that God has a plan. You know, Romans 8:28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God's doing whatever it takes in your life to make you like Jesus. And the wise person is willing to accept that. Doesn't have to like it, doesn't have to want it, doesn't have to agree with it, but is willing to accept God's will is what's best. Uh, in your bulletin, it says, Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. God has things that he does that we are not going to know, that we are not going to understand, that we're not always going to appreciate. But we don't know what God is thinking. We don't know what God is doing. All we can do is, expect, uh, is speculate and say, I'm going to trust you in this anyway. Nothing in this world happens unless God allows it. Good, bad, or ugly, it only happens because God allows it. But the wise person says, God is always in control. So wisdom brings life into focus. Wisdom brings insight into choices, but wisdom also brings advantage to the accepting. 
to the person who's willing to accept this wisdom and not just fill their head with it, but actually go out and do it, there is a, an advantage, there is a blessing that God wants to give us. Verse 11 and 12 says, Wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of the per, 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 um, possessor. Wisdom is a good thing. You want to know how good wisdom is? Read Proverbs chapter 1 through 5. I know it's, it sounds like a lot. It's going to take you probably less than 10 minutes in order to do that, but it talks about the advantage of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. We all want wisdom. You know, if you had a, an option at an inheritance, I don't think anybody's going to say, No, nah, I don't want that extra money. No, I don't want that car. No, I don't want that big antique uh, grandfather clock or whatever it is. I think we'd all say, yes, I'd like that. Wisdom is better than that. Wisdom is like an inheritance. It is a good thing. It's a good thing to have wisdom. One thing that it does um, is it benefits those who get it. Solomon here writes, um, wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. No, obviously that's not the person who takes his eyeballs and goes and looks at the sun. That's not a very wise thing to do. But I think what Solomon is saying is those who get it. It's like when you're teaching school and all, or you're teaching your kid a concept and all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and they finally get it. Wisdom is, is a, a benefit those who get it. Those who, who finally, the light bulb goes off and they say, I understand this. And they, they go out and they actually do it. The light bulb goes off. And wisdom is better than wealth. You know, people go after people who have wealth. They, they, they try to steal it. My wealth can be lost. It can be misinvested. But my, my wisdom that God has given me is going to preserve my life. It's going to be better. No one's going to come after me to try to steal the wisdom that I have. They want, my, they want money in my bank account. They might want my car. But they don't, they, they're not going to come after what's in my head. And God says, you can use that. It's going to benefit you more now. It's going to make a better impact of it later. And it's, it preserves the life of the, perves, the per, possessor. So, anybody here want wisdom? I do. I, I would like some more wisdom. Well, how do I get this wisdom? Well, one thing that you can do is you can search for wisdom. You know, Proverbs chapter 2, uh, the same guy who wrote Ecclesiastes also wrote the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, My son... If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I've never gone hunting for gold, but I know that you don't normally find it on top of the ground. When you want oil, you've got to start digging for it. You've got to put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and you've got to look in the right places. It is a great amount of effort. And I'm sure the person who starts digging for gold doesn't get it on the first day. It's not buried that deep underneath the surface so that anybody can get it. You've got to go sometimes for years. you just got to keep mining it and mining it. And as you go, you get a little piece of gold fleck. Or you're out there in your, with the creek and you've got your little sifter or whatever. And you find a little bit of gold. Says, I'm going to keep looking. And wisdom works the same way. I get a little bit more. I get more excited. But it takes work. So I have to search for it. I have to read God's word. I have to listen to God's word. I have to memorize it. 
I have to think about it. I have to uh, meditate on it. And God will eventually allow that gold to come to the surface. And I will get more wisdom. And then I'll understand better how to live it. Another thing you can do is ask for it. Anybody here ever want wisdom? James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, go to God and ask for it. God wants to give you wisdom. That's why he gave us his word, is so that we could understand the right way to live. And this book will fit every situation in life that you're facing. It's not going to say quit your job. It's not going to say buy celery at the grocery store. But it's going to give you principles that you can apply in every area of your life. And when you get that wisdom, this is almost tougher than uh, searching for wisdom, is actually going out and doing it. Because the world's view of wisdom is a lot different from God's view of wisdom. And, and if you go out and if you, you fill your head with wisdom, but you don't use it, it's not really wisdom. It's just, it's just a waste of brain space. It's just knowledge. But wisdom actually takes it and puts it into practice. It says in James 3.13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. You have wisdom from God's word. It should come out through your life. So be wise. Wisdom brings life into focus. Wisdom brings insight into choices. Wisdom brings advantage to the accepting. Be one of those people who have heard it. One of those people who have read it. People who have memorized it. And apply it to your life. There's, there's a benefit that God wants to give you for it. So if you want it, ask God for it. If you want it, search for it. But when you get it, make sure that you live it out. I want to close with a song.